Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Samara Zelnicker. Samara has over a decade of experience teaching yoga, meditation, and mindfulness. She has completed rigorous training in neuroscience, mindfulness, and emotional intelligence from the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, the Leadership Development Program born at Google, and is the owner of Mindfulness Matters. Through her work, Samara has seen firsthand how mindfulness can change people's lives. And in today's episode, we look at what mindfulness actually means, how to incorporate it into our daily lives, and we have some honest talk about some of the difficulties of mindfulness and meditation. Make sure to listen through to the end of the episode to hear Samara lead us through a box breathing exercise, a breathing technique that can help you be more mindful and for me, helps me fall asleep when my mind is racing in a million different directions. Plus, she shares details on how you can get 20% off her mindfulness toolkit. I know you'll enjoy this episode as much as I did recording it, so let's jump into it. Samara, welcome. So I'm so happy just to have you on the show. We were just talking about how we haven't really had a mindfulness expert yet on the show. And I can't wait for people to just learn from you. I mean, I've been on my own mindfulness journey and even just, you know, how I found you was through your social media and everything you put out there really resonates with me and I know will resonate with our listeners. So welcome and thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here to chat with you and of course to share all the mindfulness tips with your listeners. Yeah. And you know what? Let's even start with, I love just starting with our guest story. So what's your story and how and why did you start um, Mindfulness Matters? Yeah. Thanks for asking. So I started, well, my, you know, kind of feels like in another lifetime right now, but in a past life, I worked in fashion. I was in, um, wholesale distribution. It was a family business. I was being groomed to take over the company and I just, something wasn't in alignment. I didn't have that terminology at the time, but just something felt off. And I ended up going on a sales trip to Brazil. And as I was boarding my flight home, I stepped down and broke my foot completely out of nowhere. I was literally stepping onto the plane and I came home back to Toronto where I was living at the time. And I realized that I had to wear a cast or a booty on my foot for about eight weeks. And this was at the beginning of the summer. It was in May of 2013. So like eight years ago or 2012, actually. So nine years ago. And I realized that health and wellness was such an important element of my life. And the fact that I wasn't going to be able to do the things that I loved in the capacity that I was used to was a big wake up call for me. And through a series of synchronistic events, I ended up going to a friend's yoga studio opening and the owner of the franchise was there. And she's like, wow, you must be really dedicated to your yoga practice because I was wearing a boot. And I was in the yoga class and it just kind of happened that I was at a friend's cottage for that weekend. And I was able to attend and I was like, well, you know, I'd practiced yoga for a while, but it was never more than just a yoga class. And from that invitation, it planted a seed. And I ended up enrolling in a yoga teacher training a few months or a few weeks later, actually. 
And when I first did this yoga teacher training, I thought, okay, you know, I'll just get better at yoga. I'm not going to actually teach. And that experience was massively transformational. I, after completing that six months later, did a service mission in Africa called Africa Yoga Projects, where we helped train 150 people from all over Africa to be yoga teachers. And from that experience, which as you can imagine was quite impactful, I came home and I quit my job and I started Mindfulness Matters. So I went from, you know, kind of this path of being groomed to take over this business and and fashion and sales and wholesale distribution to having no clue what I was really doing, but just knowing that I had to do it and knowing that it was right. And it's kind of just you know, snowballed from there. I started teaching yoga in schools and in offices and in people's homes and in studios. And I also was selling a line of yoga apparel. I then moved to Europe where I opened up a pop-up yoga studio and I started doing retreats. So I was doing retreats in Europe and in Costa Rica, which I, I still do retreats in Costa Rica today. And I also became a coach. So I had studied dietetics and psychology in university. So it was always a focus and an interest of mine, but I ended up studying through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, which is a 40 week online program. And they cover everything. And something that I love about the program is they they're quite broad in what they offer. And since I've completed it, I've met a ton of friends who have gone totally different routes than I have in the wellness space. And what really connected with me was this idea of mindfulness and this idea that what we think, do, and pay attention to changes the structure and function of our brains and that we can take control over that and empower um, how we look at things and in turn, how we live. And that was massively impactful in my own life. And then once I knew how to do that within my own life, I was like, wow, I I can't keep this to myself. I have to share it and teach it to other people. And so that's what I've done as a coach, both, you know, with individuals and also in companies and on retreats and all that. So that was a, that was a big full circle. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah. No, but that's, I mean, that's an amazing story. And that's what we find so many people, especially I even think about like our listeners. If you don't feel aligned with your current path, it doesn't mean that has to be your always, right? You know, and that's where I think you have to listen, which I'm sure you had. And I'm sure it wasn't easy, right? Smart. I'm sure you were nervous or scared, right? To take a leap of faith, quick, quit your job. But when you listen to your gut and what it's telling you, it can just lead you down such a different path. And now you're helping so many people in such a a different way, right? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I now know that we have neurons in our gut, you know, so we have about 80 billion neurons in our brain and a hundred million neurons in our gut and 40,000 in our heart. Don't quote me on those numbers, but it's, those are approximate. And so when they talk about this gut brain connection, it actually exists. And I think a lot of us, or at least for me, I was conditioned to think, you know, you grow up, you go to school, you got a job, you, you know, find a partner, make a family. And that's sort of like the trajectory And that's what I had been exposed to. And then I started asking myself questions and I started asking, well, is this what I really want? Or is this what's really making me happy? And the answer was no. And then I started meeting people who were doing completely different things and living really different lives. And just even meeting those kind of people gave me the permission to 
continue asking myself those questions and then taking different actions as a result. So, you know, that's why I love to share my story and to, I, I call it a ripple effect. I think that like, it, it's this idea of like, you know, lighting a candle. And once you are, your candle is lit, you can go ahead and light so many other candles and it's like creates this abundance. And so once you're in your power and you're living in that way, it gives other people permission to do the same. And in my case, you know, being able to teach other people has has been massively fulfilling. I love that analogy. Um, and curious too, I'm so glad you brought up, you know, the gut brain connection. How have you noticed in you know, your business and working with people, how have you seen that connection show up? Well, I think it's kind of what, what I alluded to before. It's like getting out of your analytical frontal cortex, where a lot of us have been conditioned, not only maybe by our families, but also by society, like do more, think it through, like more is better, you know, busy is good. You know, all of these things that we prioritize or emphasize and it's shifting a little bit out of that. And I find often with the gut check, it doesn't usually make sense, right? It's that option like, oh, maybe I should go to Africa or maybe I should quit my job or, you know, these things that feel like, where did that come from? Yeah. And another way to refer to them is like the whispers, right? It's like those whispers for me. I live in Los Angeles and I, from, as long as I can remember, wanted to live in Los Angeles and then built a career in Canada and, but always had this whisper. And so it was like, yeah, leave your job, rent out your condo, you know, move somewhere, you know, two people and have some small family members, you know? Um, and I think that that's something to remember because when you are listening to your gut and you are following that whisper, it's not necessarily going to be easy you know, and it's going to feel, (laughs) it's going to feel like, holy shit, you have that moment. What am I doing? And then you start to build that out and, and come from a place of listening to yourself as opposed to listening or looking around and listening to others. Yeah. And I found over the years, you know, my husband and I have taken lots of leaps of faith, you know, moving, changing jobs, changing careers for some of us and things like that. And, the nice thing is even just that getting over like that first time of listening and taking that leap. And then yes, it may not be easy at first or the whole time. I mean, nothing's easy the whole time, but when you finally get the fulfillment from it or see that like things will be okay, it then allows you to take that leap another time. Right. And it has like that ripple effect too. And it's just a way I've always thought like I've grown so much that way, you know? So I think that's part of the journey too. Um, I know we could go on and on about this too, but I want to start with, um, what are some, if you had to pick, like, what are some simple ways if someone's listening and they're like, you know, I hear about mindfulness a lot. Um, you defined it really well, but what are some of your best tips for people just bringing in more mindfulness throughout their everyday life? Sure. So mindfulness is, you know, can have a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. And I think that bringing that to light is important. Often when I start a keynote, when I'm working with a company, I'll ask them that question, like, how do you define mindfulness? Because we all associate it with different things and that's okay. It can be associated with different things, but I really like to think about it as the space between stimulus and response. 
And it's this idea that, you know, we're stimulated all the time, whether it's thoughts, whether it's other people, whether it's, you know, all these things. And then we have a reaction to those stimuli to those stimuli and mindfulness is creating that space between our reaction and our response. And so it's that ability to cultivate calm in how we're responding to an, you know, a hard email that we get from our boss or, um, you know, maybe a jab from our sibling or, you know, something like that. And even the happy moments as well, like not grasping to them, but just having an understanding of how we're responding to things. And so the question comes down to, well, how do we create that? And how do we cultivate that space? And there's things like a dedicated practice, which is meditation. So I like to compare conditioning your mind to conditioning your body. So if you decide that you want to condition your body, then you're going to start going to the gym. And similar to, med- to mindfulness, if you want to start to condition your mind then sitting in meditation is going to be that dedicated practice that's going to help you. And sitting in meditation doesn't have to be 20 minutes a day. You can start with one and build on it and then go to two and, you know, work up to five. And the practice of meditation or conditioning your mind is simply bringing your focus or your awareness back to one point. There's kind of this idea or this misconception around meditation that it means you have to have no thoughts or, you know, be in this bliss situation where it's really just bringing your focus back. So I like to use my breath as an anchor point. And if my awareness like flows away from my breath, it's just bringing it back. And those are kind of like reps or bicep curls. So every time you do that, you're strengthening or conditioning your mind. And then similar to conditioning your body, you would go to the gym as a dedicated practice, but then let's say you're moving boxes in your house, that would be an integrated practice, right? So you're still getting a workout by moving boxes in your house, but it's integrated into your life. And so meditation would be that dedicated practice, whereas stopping and pausing before you respond to someone or before you send that email back, or maybe getting up and taking a walk before writing that email back or taking three deep breaths in the moment would be more of an integrated mindfulness practice. Do you find, so let's say someone gets that hard email, right? And before responding, we want them to take a pause. Is there something people should be thinking about during that pause or just like taking a deep breath or just, I'm curious, suggestion wise. Well, so taking deep breaths is actually resetting your nervous system. And most of us breathe from our, uh, you know, the top part of our chest, which is actually like anxiety and stress producing. It increases our cortisol, our stress levels in our body. So actually taking a deep breath all the way down into your belly will stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is that part of your body that's rest and digest, which on its own is enough, which on its own can reset you to, you know, come back to right now in this moment. Um, another great way or like a micro practice of taking through breaths is taking a breath and checking in with how does my body feel right now? Like, do I feel tense anywhere? Can I relax my shoulders, you know, my jaw checking in with your mind? Like, am I feeling like worried or stressed? And can I come back to my breath? And then simply asking yourself the question, what is important now? And with mindfulness, it's a practice of presence, right? By default, our mind is going to be focused on the past or the future. We self-ruminate. And so 
through this practice. And that's why it's called a practice because we always have to keep doing it. We come back to the present moment. So even by asking yourself that question, what is important now in this moment, right? And imagine you ask yourself that at every single moment then you're present and you can give a hundred percent of your attention to exactly what you're doing. No, I love that because I've gotten to it into a practice and probably only in the last, I want to say year, year and a half, we'll do five to 10 minute meditation first thing in the morning. I like to just start my day with it, but then throughout the day, like stressors come at you, right? Like maybe you get that email or just something's not flowing right. And I found, you know, taking a deep breath a hundred percent helps, but sometimes I need to focus my thoughts on something else. So I love that question. I'm going to start, I mean, I'm going to start using that. I'm curious to why would someone, if they're not aware of like the benefits of mindfulness, um, I just want to dive in there and, you know, why would they want to start a mindfulness practice? How could it help them just on a daily basis, but also, you know, getting away from that, um, you know, constantly feeling busy and that go, go, go. And which really, you know, we had a great episode on adrenal fatigue (laughs) and right. I feel like honestly, I've been experiencing that. Oh yeah. I mean, most clients I see smart have some form Mm -hmm. of adrenal fatigue. Um, so what, how can mindfulness just better how they feel? And then what are, you know, some more of the physical, and then obviously the mental benefits behind it. So a lot of people are walking around today feeling really stressed out, like feeling anxious, feeling depressed. I mean, we're obviously coming out of like a crazy pandemic experience that heightened those emotions for a lot of us. And like I said earlier, by default, we are wired for survival. And so we're always going to look for the threat to our survival, which can keep us heightened. And yes, that's a protection mechanism. But the reality is if we hear rustling in the bushes today, it's likely not going to be a tiger, right? So we have those same instincts that we had thousands of years ago, but we live in a modern day world. And that rustling in the bushes is now replaced with like a beep of our phone or a ding of a Slack message or an email coming through or whatever that looks like that creates that same heightened emotion. So we're kind of operating in this heightened capacity. And when we're operating from that place, we're not, it takes us especially out of the right side of our brain, which is, you know, a lot of our creative work that sense of relaxation and that ability to fully be present. There's a statistic that actually, uh, that was out of Harvard Business Review, that 50% of people, it's actually 47% of people, um, when they're doing something, they're thinking about something else. And so that's almost half the time we're doing something, we're thinking about something else. How can you enjoy a delicious meal? How can you enjoy a wonderful conversation with a friend? How can you get really immersed in the work that you're doing? And so Martin Seligman, who's the grandfather of positive psychology, he talks about this idea of flow state. And maybe some of your listeners know what that feels like. And it's this idea when, you know, sort of time stands still, you're really immersed in what you're doing. Things are challenging, but not too hard. So you're not feeling bored, but you're also not feeling stressed that they're too hard. And when you get into that flow state, it's amazing. It's such a great feeling and you need to be present in order to do that. And so practicing mindfulness helps to develop more presence 
to whatever it is you're doing to achieve more flow in your life. There was also a study done done by Antoine Lutz and his colleagues out of France, and he um, measured like he had a thermo that was going to zap two cohorts of people. One was experienced meditators and one was novice meditators. And so he noticed that with the novice meditators, before he zapped them with the thermo, they had this heightened stressful feeling. So they were stressed before the event happened. So there was a large amount of anticipatory stress and they were also stressed during the event. And then they were stressed after. And I often ask people when I share this statistic with them, how many people can relate to being stressed out like before a stressful event and everyone raises their hand. And so think about like all of that time that we spend being stressed out before something happens and the thing happens and then we're stressed out kind of even after it's like, well, that's our life. Right. And so he did the same with the experienced meditators and saw that they weren't stressed out before they were stressed out at the time of the event. And then they weren't stressed out after. So with a mindfulness practice, people have the ability to let things come and go a lot easier. The nature of our lives is things are going to change. Like that's the one thing we can count on. And so if we um, are stuck to grasping to success or running from failure, if you want to equate it into those simplistic terms, then without having a mindfulness practice or being present, we stay stuck in the suffering a lot more. We're less resilient, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's no, I, and I love, I'm so glad you shared that study too. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that one, but it's so true. I mean, I can, I mean, even tonight I have to give a presentation to a large group of people and I'm stressed about it already. You know, I'm sure afterwards I'll feel much better, but yeah, you still have also, even if it's like, sometimes I feel like stress can feel like a high too. Right. And that's why sometimes we want to keep like, go, go, go and staying busy, but it's really not that good for us. Um, I wanted to bring up, you had a really good post on the blunt truth about mindfulness and kind of the difficult parts of it because, right, like mindfulness is tough, especially if you're new to it. So can we just get into how to overcome, like what those challenges are and then how to overcome some of them? Absolutely. So that's why I like to like always compare mind conditioning or mindfulness to going to the gym because we can like physically see changes in our body or we, you know, know what it feels like with like an elevated heart rate and things like that. It's just a little bit more quantifiable. And I think that sometimes with mindfulness, you think like, okay, like I meditated once and I'm good. Like I took three deep breaths and yay, you know, and the reality is that with practice, anything gets better, but it's about also about habit building, right? So like you may not want to show up to your practice. Like you may want to write a nasty email back to your boss when they ask you to do something you don't want to do. You may want to scream and yell at your partner if they're upsetting you and it takes effort, right? The same way it's like going to the gym on those days that you really don't want to go and then you do it. And after the first 15, 20 minutes, you're like, okay, I'm so happy I did that. And those endorphins start like flushing and things like, you know, start feeling better. And it's similar with the mindfulness practice is like it's commitment, you know, and it's work, but it's, I think the most incredible and important work you can ever do because it's the work of your mind and which affects again, your life and your relationships and everything, everything. So, you know, I, I think when it comes down to like what the blunt truths are is that it's, you're not always going to want to do it and it's not always going to be easy. And 
I think when you can understand and know to expect obstacles, then when you experience an obstacle, you don't run for the hills. You're not like, oh, all right, I didn't feel like doing it today or today. My practice was really hard. This just isn't for me. But if you set yourself up in the sense that this, there are going to be obstacles and and any form like habit formation takes a certain amount of time and it will take time to drop in and it won't be amazing every single day. And you may feel awesome for a certain amount of time and then move backwards a little bit. And to know that that's just the, a part of it helps you keep going. And what about for the people? Cause I honestly, I hear it a lot with clients when they're just starting even a small meditation practice. Like, like you said, you can start with a minute, you can start with two minutes, right? It doesn't have to be this perfect thing, but they're like, I just can't meditate. Like my brain will not shut off. I can't sit there. I'm almost stressed sitting there. Do you have any tips on how to overcome that and just keep going and, you know, being persistent with it? Well, I think when you're starting anything new, so when it comes down to creating a new habit, you know, the research that says it takes about 30 days or some researchers say it takes about 60 days. So it's the consistency is really important. I suggest linking it to something else you're already doing. So if you wake up every morning and you brush your teeth, like, can you do it right after that? So it's like, you're not, um, you know, setting this time that you is like new and you're carving it out in your day and it feels like so much extra. It's like something you're already doing Add a minute on every single person has an extra minute in their day. Let's even call it two minutes. And so consistency is really important when it comes to habit building and accountability is really key too. So if you know that you're one of those people that's like, Oh, I'm just not going to be accountable. How can you enroll other people in it? Whether it's people in your family or a friend or joining a meditation challenge. We just did one on Instagram. Like there's so many things out there that could help hold you accountable. And I remember, I'll, I'll never forget this. I went to um, a seminar like years ago and Deepak Chopra was there and someone in the audience was like, well, how many minutes a day should I meditate? Or what sounds good? And he's like, you know, that 20 minutes a day is, is good. And like, I don't have 20 minutes a day. And he's like, well, then you should meditate twice a day for 20 minutes. Right. And it's so it's often it's conditioning. Right. So remember, and I can't stress enough that it's a practice. You're not supposed to be good at it. It's not like. If you decided one day you were going to like start baking, you know, you may not be good at it right away. It would take some time or playing tennis or going swimming or whatever. And so being really kind and gentle with yourself throughout it. But, you know, the really the key takeaways would be be consistent, like it's something you're already doing and see if you can find someone who can help hold you accountable or do it with you and make sure that you're doing it for a certain length of time so that it does start to feel ingrained and become easier. Cause it will. Yeah. I, I found even for myself when I tried to just like started meditating and tried to meditate without doing like a guided meditation or someone speaking to me and just being in my breath, it was so hard. It was hard to get out of my mind, but then once I used guide, you know, guided meditations, I could focus on what they were saying, which still brought me to the present moment and out of my head. So for anyone listening that helped me, um, I also committed to doing like a 21 day program. So that accountability part, yes, nobody was checking on me that I was doing it, but I made sure I was doing it. I, I posted it on my social media. So I had to like you know, follow up with people and tell them how it was going. So whatever you need to do, but that 
that really got me into the practice. And then now I still prefer guided meditation, but I can actually sit with myself, but it was Mm -hmm. not like that in the beginning. And just like you said, it's conditioning it too, right? Just like when we go to the gym and, um, luckily to it, you know, it didn't take, I would say after about a month of doing it every day, I was able to sit with myself. So if anyone is discouraged listening, it can happen and it doesn't have to take, you know, everyone's different, but it doesn't have to take so much time. Um, and you do just what works for you. Like I love doing walking meditation some days when I'm like, you know, I need to get outside. I need to get fresh air and right. I can double up on it. And there's just no, there's no perfect way to meditate, which is what I found. Whereas before Samara, I always was like, oh, I have to have like, I need like the meditation space in my home. Mm -hmm. You know, I need the little pillow and also, and if you, if you have that to your disposal, go for it. Right. I'm sure it makes it nicer, but I feel like the point that I've learned from like on this path was more so if you really want to be good at meditating, you have to be able to do it anywhere and in any situation. And that's usually like when we're stressed, when we're stressed, we're not sitting on our meditation pillow, (laughs) you know, we're usually in a situation. Um, so I just, I found that helped me and I want to even focus on like, if someone is in, and I saw some of these posts that you did that I loved on just how about like when you're feeling good, when you're feeling like you put it as you, when you're in your season, right. When you're feeling Mm -hmm. that good energy. And sometimes that's when, like, if I'm feeling really good, I'm like, Oh, do I need to meditate this morning? Cause I'm feeling so good. I don't know. Um, or saying like, do I need to journal this morning? Like everything's going so great. What can we do to support that good energy and, and just take advantage of it? Yeah. Well, I love, you know, you referred to the post that I put around seasons. It's like, we're part of nature. So I love talking about this and it's remembering that we all have seasons. And that's back to that idea that I was referring to around equanimity of like not grasping too much to the good or, you know, buffering the bad. It's understanding that like, amazing, you may be in your summer season, which is like when things are like blooming and everything's great and you're feeling awesome. You may be in that season for two years and that's cool. And then you may come out of that. And that's also okay because we need to have a winter or hibernation where we go in and we process and we understand things. And then we'll come back to that place where we're planting seeds again. And you know, we, and then spring, we're seeing them start to bloom. And so allowing you yourself to go through cycles of nature, which may not reflect the cycles of nature that are happening outside, you know, in season or length of time, but just allowing that and trusting that that's part of your process and your journey. And then back to that comparison around the gym, it's not like you go to the gym three times in the year and you're like, Hey, great. I got it. You know? And so it's, when you're in those times of like, you're in your summer season and you feel really great. It's like, how did you get there? Like you maybe got there because of your practices, you know, you got there because you took that time out in your day. So it's like, now that you have it, don't let that go. Cause that will help to prolong it. And like, I'm not a stickler for things. Like if you're also like on a holiday and you're like, 
just enjoying it and you're sleeping in longer than you normally do. And, you know, you don't have that same routine. Like that's also okay. You can be kind to yourself and let yourself off the hook. Like with all of this stuff, I think if you hold it too tightly and it's too extreme, then it can go to one end as well. But I would say like, you know, when you're in that really great season, it's like taking a moment to pause and ask yourself, well, what did I do to get here? You know, and understand that there are there is a lot of intentionality around the things that we're doing. And so allowing yourself to like kind of take credit for that a little bit and then continue those practices in order to prolong the period. Yeah, no. And that's, it's funny. That's, that's when I find it is the hardest to be mindful, meditate because I'm, you know, you're feeling so good. You think you don't Mm -hmm. need it, but then I'll quickly realize like a few days later, like, oh shoot, I probably should have been because now I'm extra stressed because I just went from a high to a low and I wasn't as resilient. You know, I wasn't able to have that period of time, like you were saying in between like our reaction, right. To actually sit with myself. So it's also for when we're feeling good. And that's like something I want to stress because I know I go through it a lot and always want to abandon my mindfulness practice at that time. Well, think about it like with that stat that I shared about, you know, half the time we're doing something, we're thinking about something else. So as we continue to develop our mindfulness practice and we do it consistently, not just in the bad times as a bandaid or like, shit, I need something, you know, but also in the good times, it helps you appreciate the good times even more because it helps you be more present to them. Right. Yeah. Wow. I can really soak this in. Like I have this amazing presentation or this client that I'm working with, or like, you know, I'm getting married or whatever that looks like. Wow. I can, like, I worked really hard to get to this place, you know, and it's so often, you know, we really want to be enjoying the process because when we reach the goal, you're like, okay, cool. What's next. Right. But about really soaking this in. And as human beings, we're funny because I went on a, a silent meditation retreat about two years ago and the, the teacher, Pascal, he was amazing. And he was talking about this idea that even when we're in those happy moments, we're like, when's it going to end? When's it going to be over? What yep. if this happens? What if that person leaves? What if, you know, whatever that is. So like it, it, it even though we're like, oh, I feel great. There's still sometimes is this like underlying voice or mechanism. Or self-sabotage. So, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like the little gremlins. Right. And so if we are able to practice that during that time, then we can experience it more fully and, and own it and yeah. receive it. And I find too, if I'm more present in those good times, my memories of it are so much better. Like I can really remember and I can feel the memory and I can remember how I was feeling versus if it's, you know, something like, yeah, I mean, if, if people are getting married, right, sometimes you are in go mode the weekend of your wedding and then it goes by in a flash and you almost can't even remember everything that happened. You, your memories aren't as stuck. So I love that piece of it too, where the more present you are in those moments, you can hold on to those memories. You can hold on to those feelings that much longer. Um, and one other thing that I found really helps me, especially with sleeping. Cause I also notice a lot with clients, like trying to get out of their head when going to bed is box breathing. And so I was hoping mm-hmm. that you could take us through, you know, 
how to box breathe and how people could do this. Cause I find when I do it, like I'm passed out out, you know, during my third round of it. <laughs> awesome. Yes, absolutely. And kind of what you're talking about too, of being more present and remembering them just from a neuroscience perspective, it's getting out of your frontal cortex, which is again, that it's like the CEO of your brain. It's like the executioner, you know, and it drops you into your limbic brain, which is more of your emotional brain, which is actually where you store memory. And so, you know, that's actually what's happening when you're able to slow down a little bit more and actually take things in. And box breath is awesome. I love it. We actually, Oh, do we have it in our toolkit? We have a a version of it, but you know, what's really helpful with box breathing is you're practicing to deepen your breath. And like I mentioned earlier, a lot of us by default will breathe up in our chest and have shorter breaths, which can create that feeling of anxiety and, and stress. And so by practicing box breath, you're prolonging your inhales, your exhales, and your holds in between the breaths. So I like to start with, there's a couple of different ways to do it. I like to start with like, um, we work up from one to five. So again, we start with inhaling for one, exhaling for one and holding in between for one, we do two, three, all the way up to five. Do you guys, do you want to do it? Yeah, let's, let's do it. I would love to. Okay. Awesome. So hopefully whoever's listening, you're not driving. (laughs) If you are, keep your eyes open, but if not, you can close your eyes and soften your shoulders, your body. And let's start just by breathing in for one. Hold for one. Exhale one. Hold one. Inhale one. Two. Hold one. Two. Exhale one. Two. Hold one. Two. Inhale one, two, three, hold one, two, three, exhale one, two, three, hold one, two, three, inhale one, two, three, four, hold one two, three, four, exhale, one, two, three, four, hold one, two, three, four, inhale, one, two, three, four, five, hold one, two, three, four, five, exhale, one, two, three, four, five, hold one, two, three, four, five, take a deep breath in and a big sigh out and two more like that, inhale. And sigh it out. And one more breath in. And exhale it out. And just gently coming back into our space together. If your eyes were closed, you can open them. 
And just also noticing, yeah, noticing a shift in your body. Like just taking that moment, like, wow, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm here now. I mean, that's exactly how I feel. I'm so glad too. We did it today. Cause I, I do, I have a busy day after this. Even more. Mm-hmm. So I just feeling it's like, I just love that feeling of like the weights lifted off. You know, it's totally. like just that total body relaxation. And that's what it does for me when I'm having trouble sleeping too. And I'll just keep going until I fall asleep. Um, but it's so good. I need to remember to do it more during the day, like almost as those little times where you need to just kind of take a little break, check in with yourself. Um, and put you can pause. set a reminder on your phone. Like you yeah. can set a reminder on your phone or again, link it with something you're already doing. So if you have yeah. meetings on the hour, ending them like 10 minutes early and then taking those 10 minutes in between meetings as like self-care time. Right. I, I always yeah. take 30 minutes before any, any meeting, just because I'm working with clients and like, if it goes over, I just never want it to feel rushed. So like just scheduling that in, I'm a big proponent of scheduling things in in order for them to happen. But what's so awesome about this is like, it's your breath. It's free. You can do it at any point, anywhere, you know? And so we all have that as a tool and it's an equalizer for us all. Yeah. And another great time I find too, is if you do find your str- you have stress surrounding food or that you eat your meals so quickly, you're working while you're eating, do it right before you eat, mm-hmm. right? To get present, right? We are talking about to enjoy that delicious meal or, you know, even if it's something you put together really quick, it, it just brings you to that present moment with it. Um, so I know we have to wrap up and I want you, Smar, just to tell people like, where can they find with you, connect with you? Um, and I want you to share a little bit about your mindfulness toolkit because you guys have been so generous um, to giving our listeners a 20% off code. So if you could just share all of the above. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's been so fun talking to you, Kate. I feel like we can continue chatting for a few more hours and, um, people can find me. So I'm at mindfulness matters on Instagram. You can find me that way. You can shoot me a DM. If you want to be connected website is mindfulnessmatters.ca. still repping that Canada. Cause I'm a Canadian girl at, at heart. And, um, Yeah, we just created this mindfulness toolkit, which I'm so excited about. We just launched it and it's actually a compilation of workbooks that I've created over the years. So I do retreats, as I mentioned in Costa Rica, and I also do day retreats here in LA and Toronto. And there's always such juicy things that come out of that and really great journaling prompts. So there's about six workbooks of amazing, um, prompts all on different topics. One of them is 365 days of mindfulness. So there's a prompt for every single day, which you can use to journal on. You can use it in your meditation. And then there's also five meditations. So as you mentioned, and I had the same experiences that I really benefit from guided meditations too. And so it's guided meditations. There's a a meditation that goes with each workbook that, you know, you, we, we suggest an order, but you can also choose your own adventure. And it's just a really great way to start a practice if you don't have one or to maintain one, if you already do. So yeah, we're offering your listeners 20% off with the code Nordic naturals at checkout. Oh, love it. Well, we do have three more rapid fire questions. We just like to end every episode so people can get to know you a little bit more. So first thing that comes to mind, um, what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Mm, Yoga for sure. 
Love it. Uh, coffee yoga, or tea? Yoga surfing. Oh. Yoga, yoga and oh. surfing. Oh. Yeah. I love, I love being and seeing the ocean. That's like number one. Oh my gosh. Me too. For me. Any being near any body of water is like complete calmness. That's probably why I feel like my husband and I always, when we move, it's like, where's the water? (laughs) We have to be near it. Um, okay. Next one is coffee or tea. I'm a matcha girl through and through. I've never liked coffee. It's never, ever been my thing. And part of my morning ritual is making my matcha at home. And it's, yeah, it's the best. How do you, how do you make it? So I make it with hot water, um, then some nut milk. So usually some almond milk and matcha, coconut oil and honey. Mm. And I, oh gosh, I whip it up in the blender. So it's so good. It's so that's good. it's so you know what? I feel like the blender such a game changer with it. Like game I always changer. do mine in my Nutribullet and it does, it makes it so frothy. Exactly. And like, even if you add in like a little bit, I'll usually add in like a scoop of collagen and that will just like make it even froth. Oh, it's so good. But you know, what? it's funny actually. Um, we're staying at my in-laws right now and they've had you know, I'm with you like normal hot coffee just doesn't sit well with me. Sometimes I just crave it for like the warmth, but I've been kind of into iced coffee right now, but I'm starting to notice I'm getting a little bit more anxious and the jitter. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I got to go back. I got to go back to my matcha and just that, that sustained focus, which I love too. Um, smooth, the smooth ride. It is. <laughs> That's a perfect way to say it. Um, okay. Yeah. Last one. And this is my personal favorite, but what is your favorite home cooked meal? Ooh, that's a great question. I actually just marinated some like yummy chicken in the, in the fridge this morning that I'm trying out a new recipe, but what is my favorite home cooked meal? Hmm. I actually found this incredible recipe in the back of a people magazine. I have to give Candace Kumai credit because it's her recipe. Oh, love her stuff. She's awesome. Yeah. And it's a healthy ramen. Like it's a healthy ramen and I make it, I make it a lot. I, I was, especially during COVID, but it, you first of all, feel like this like amazing top-notch chef because it's this beautiful miso ramen with avocado and spinach and oh it's so good and it's really easy to make it's like a mushroom and onion broth and like I always and like a little sriracha for a little kick and it's just so warming and good and also healthy and I always have enough for leftovers for the next day so that's my absolute favorite meal to make right now Oh, I'm definitely going to look that one up. I hope it's online too. Um, I'm sure it is. And if not, her stuff is delicious. Oh yeah, please. I mean, her stuff is so not only delicious, but like you said, so beautiful too. (laughs) Like everything she makes, I feel like just exudes this beauty. Um, thank you so much, Samara. This has been so great. I mean, like you said, I, we could have kept talking. So maybe we'll have to have you back on the show. I would um, love but that. yeah, thanks again. And like Samara said, we will leave that code in the show notes. So check out the mindfulness toolkit and go check her out on social media too, because I'm just loving everything you're putting out. Thanks so much, Kate. And thank you so much to everyone listening. This was so much fun. I'm sure you could have guessed this week that we're going to focus on being more mindful during our day. And as Samara and I discussed, sometimes it's not the easiest thing to incorporate. Maybe a way for you to start is to take five minutes per day to do nothing other than sitting with yourself. 
checking in and accepting what you're feeling and where you're at. Or if you want to turn on a guided meditation or use the box breathing technique Samara shared with us. And don't forget to use the code Nordic Naturals for 20% off Samara's mindfulness toolkit. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on the air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.